Do you have a friend or a family member who has drifted away from the Catholic faith or joined another church? Do you wonder how to reach out to them and invite them back home to the Catholic Church? Today we'll explore the reasons people leave and return to the Catholic Church with our special guest, Catholic evangelist Tom Peterson. I'm Father Michael Scanlon, Chancellor of Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. talking about when a family member leaves the church. We have our regular panelists here, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology, and Dr. Scott Hahn, Professor of Biblical Theology. And our very special guest, Tom Peterson, has over 25 years experience as an advertising executive. You can promote <laughs> the good news, good. In the 90s, he founded Virtue Media, which promotes the sanctity of human life, and Catholics Come Home, dedicated to Catholic evangelization. And today, you speak at national Catholic conferences and pro-life events throughout the United States. Well, we're excited about this. We all want Catholics to come home. So, Tom, <laughs> what is it? What is Catholic Come Home, and why did you find it? Uh, Catholics Come Home is an invitation for the biggest family reunion in history. <laughs> uh, we're inviting the two-thirds of those wandering Catholics who have drifted away for whatever reason back to our family, back to our family of faith, and uh, really to stem the tide of a secular culture. Now I'm going to ask you the tough question. How many Catholics have drifted away from the church? Uh. The sad statistics are about 70% worldwide, two out of every three in the United States, about 66%. And in certain areas like Boston, uh, the practice rate is about 13 to 15%. Uh, almost 80-some percent have drifted away. Now, people would want to understand that. Does this mean of people who are baptized Catholic and at least initially was somewhat in the church? Yes, Father. In fact, the stats show that uh, if you surveyed America, one out of four would say, yes, I'm Catholic. They've checked that box on the survey. But the fact is, after baptism, uh, about one-third never go to church. About one-third may go to church at Christmas and or Easter, and they're almost picking which one now. And the remaining third are the faithful Catholics who go weekly. Do you have any statistics on after confirmation? Uh, the statistics aren't very bright. In I fact, wouldn't think so. Junior high is a very pivotal age that if, if we can evangelize and catechize our young people at junior high, sixth grade, the, their chances of staying with the faith or at least coming back to the faith after a brief sojourn away are a lot greater. But if we don't catechize them well at that sixth grade level or junior high level, the chances of bringing them back become much harder. No, by the time they get to the university, the dropout rate approximates 90%. Oh, my God. Infections are huge. Well, that, that's, a, that's a stunning uh, statistic. You're, you're telling me that more than half yes. uh, the members of the faith do not practice or belong to the church. That's exactly right. And, and I think in areas of the country where it was more of a cultural basis, uh, yeah. certain ethnicities, certain geographies, we take our faith for granted. 
And we don't know what we're giving up until we give it up. And then when we've had a reversion experience, like I've been blessed to have, we suddenly realize we didn't know what we didn't know. And we start learning our faith and appreciating it more and growing more in it. But hey, when we don't realize what we gave up because it was always there in front of us, uh, you, you tend to walk away and, and not, uh, not appreciate it. Well, that raises the question. They must have some reason. Mm. Why do they, in fact, leave uh, other than just <coughs> not showing up in the church building anymore? What kind of reasons? Would well, you well the experts can list several reasons. We found in our practice with Catholics Come Home that about 90% of the parishes we've surveyed who, are, who have partnered with us on, on the campaigns, uh, people say, hey, I just drifted away. I went on vacation and I missed Mass. I got, you know, missed it a second week, got out of the habit, stopped going altogether. Or I was in college and I got distracted, kind of led a more of a secular life, and I stopped going. Yeah. And we've asked them the question, uh, many of you have said, I haven't been to mass in a while. What do you mean by a while? Yeah. And surprisingly, oh. nine years was the average answer. Oh. You would think a couple weeks, nine oh. years. But, but despite that, uh, we find the vast majority just drift away right. because of secular lures. But the, the experts will say there are a variety of reasons, just like there are people. Some may, But it's not relevant in some way, right? Uh, well, is yeah, that the kind some of may have a real reason. You know, they, they ran into somebody at the church they didn't think was kind or... or I think uh, there is, though, a, a root cause. Mm. You know, and especially as we survey the last few decades, you know, the last 40 or 50 years in the so-called post-conciliar confusion, I think the vast majority of Catholics have found themselves to be sacramentalized but not evangelized yes. or even catechized. And so, you know, they are expected to kind of just assimilate by a sort of spiritual osmosis. But I mean, when you've got the culture that we have, you have everything set against the assimilation of the graces of the sacraments. Yeah. You need not less catechesis than we used to have back in the 40s and 50s, but more. Yes. We need more evangelizing of those who are sacramentalized. Yeah. To but, a large... But let me come at it from a different angle, which is slightly more cynical. Uh, I'm trying to resist cynicism. <laughs> it, it's an attractive temptation because it, it, it seems to me that if a guy goes on holiday and then he forgets to return to the faith, the level of his investment couldn't have been very large or high in exactly the first place. Right. We have a testimonial from a man named Don on our website, and it's an ad we air. And Don says, I guess I never really knew my faith to begin with. And you've hit the nail on the head. There's so many of us have gone through the motions. And when you were speaking, uh, Scott, I, the phrase that came to my mind is, there are a lot of us who may know about Jesus, but do we really know Jesus? And I yeah. think that's the issue. There's a core root cause of a lack of catechesis, or perhaps there was catechesis, but we were looking out the window when it was being presented to us. And if it doesn't <coughs> sink in deep, and we don't have that personal, personal relationship with Jesus, it's much easier for the secular world to lure us away with its apparent glitter. Yeah. So therefore, since you emphasize Jesus there, this problem isn't just in the Catholic Church. Oh, no, it's Father. in the Christian churches in general. It is, and it goes throughout society. I live in Atlanta, Georgia now, and you will see many churches, but 25% of the United States church swaps every year. There's a homily they don't 25%. like. 25%. percent uh, yeah. Perhaps the music they don't like, their pastor gets transferred, and they'll go from this church to this denomination to this church. So like independent voters who vote Democrat in one election, Republican. Yeah, they're, they're voting their preference. Right. And uh, amazingly, though, uh, 
some will tell us, I never thought about Catholicism until you put those commercials on the air and I got to see them. So uh, we can partake in that church swapping phenomena for the good in terms of evangelization. But the sad statistic is people are either switching parishes or switching churches or in many cases giving up their faith altogether. So how much is it? We usually think it's because the Jehovah Witnesses or the uh, Mormons are just knocking on the door or giving leaflet. How big is that? Well, you know, I I found living in Arizona where the Mormon population is very big that they're very astute at knocking on doors when somebody has had a tragedy in their family Ah. or they're at a point in their life where maybe they're searching for answers or searching for faith. You know what? My hat's off to them. We should be doing that more often. Uh, But, uh, sure, they attract some members. They wouldn't do it if they didn't. But I think it calls all of us Catholics to live our faith daily to help love people to heaven and uh, be a better witness. You know, this statistic surprises us, and yet it, it, it shouldn't necessarily be all that much of a surprise. I mean, I study scripture and I teach it, and when you survey all of the many generations and centuries of Israelite history, you know, if the prophets are a reliable guide, you get the clear sense that never was there a period in Israelite history where the vast majority of Israelites were faithful to the covenant. You know, I don't know exact statistics back then, whether it was a two-thirds majority who had drifted away or what. But I mean, at one level, it really hurts, and it should, and we should take action. At another level, you know, we remember what our Lord said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I mean, we really do find ourselves in a natural environment that is arrayed against the supernatural mysteries. Absolutely. So it's always going to be an uphill battle for the church, even in the, even in the glittery days, you know, of the 50s when it looked so good like we were just kind of surfing the wave or something. So what you're saying is through salvation history, there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) (laughs) But but I think in in, in a sense it is unprecedented because until quite recently, the missionary thrust of the church was out to the pagans. But now we have to evangelize our own. Uh, And that's that's novel. That's sort of uh, uh, an unusual uh, situation. We have gotten a little soft and a little lackadaisical in Jesus' charge to spread the good news to the ends of the earth and uh, evangelize the world. Uh, Thankfully, uh, we've got a new generation uh, that's taking faith seriously. Some of the young people, especially students here, uh, are really champions of faith, and we're seeing more vocations. We're seeing a new springtime of hope. So uh, there is hope. But the world is in desperate need of this hope more well, than is ever. Is there a new atheism too out there? You know, something new rather than just a drift. Yeah. Uh, you see that. And what's amazing to me as an advertising guy is to hear that the atheists are advertising. They're advertising <laughs> to lure our young people away from God. And I wow. scratch my head and I say, hey, wow. if I thought atheists don't care about faith. Exactly. But they're spending millions of dollars on billboards, on bus, uh, bus placards and so forth yeah. in Toronto, Chicago, Seattle. And I heard they're coming to Atlanta. And the, the billboards say, there's probably no God, so stop worrying and start living. And I say, you know what? St. Paul was right. This is not a war of flesh and blood, but of principalities and powers. Why would they spend their hard-earned money if they weren't serving anybody, but they're serving somebody other than God? Right, yeah. Yeah, because on on the face of it, it it really does seem counterintuitive. Why why would you promote a a creed whose outcome is blank extinction at the end of life when the cry of the heart, which is irrepressible, is for God, for eternity? Exactly. We we had a Catholic... How could you crank up a campaign that would be (laughs) successful? It's mind-blowing to me, but they do it, and they invest their money into it. But if they have issues... 
that the Christians are teaching against. Yes. You know, sexual issues yeah. and, and, and the rest, then that Agendas. becomes an, an agenda underneath this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, no the idea that there is no transcendent moral code that is universally yeah. binding on all is good news for people who don't want to abide by it, you yes. know? Uh, and, and so it, it's counterintuitive at one level and yet just plain obvious right. at another. Right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if there is no God and no eternal life, that means there's no judgment uh, yes. and there's no accounting uh, for all of your sins. So you can be as beastly as you please. There's not going to be a sanction on the other side. But when people are reminded of the good news, uh, we found that people buy. Seattle's one particular place where we launched the Catholics Come Home campaign. They have a lot of agnosticism and atheism there. And surprisingly, it did very, very well. And I think uh, I really, the more I uh, get involved in Catholic evangelization, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, the more I realize that people are basically good, that we're created in the image and likeness of God. And when we step forth and pray every day to help lead someone closer to Christ, good things can happen because there's that little seed planted in all of our souls, especially for the baptized Catholic at baptism. Yeah. That Holy Spirit is still there. The pilot light may be weak and we may need to stoke that fire as brothers in Christ, but there's still hope and we just need to reach out there and show up because the spiritual battle is being waged and we need to show up to the fight. And the church is really launching, I think, a kind of countermeasure because, you know, the new evangelization was a phrase that Pope Paul VI used in the early 70s. John Paul took it up and made it a campaign of sorts. But now Pope Benedict has really not only called for the synod of bishops for the new evangelization, but created a whole new institute within the Vatican yes. to kind of spearhead and coordinate Pontifical these efforts. Council exactly, now. yeah. That's exciting. Very. Well, it looks pretty promising. Uh, so uh, you may be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope from your lips to God's ears. We should yeah. be so fortunate. There'll be some other issue that will be yeah. uh, involved, yeah. with, with, be it sanctity of life or marriage or some other. Right. Uh, it, is there priority. a particular market, uh, a target audience that you find especially resistant? And is it a function of climate like mm -hmm. California? Or are they less disposed to think about eternal life? I think there are some areas where there's more distractions. Obviously, where there's uh, things are going well financially, where there's sun and fun. Uh, Australia, for example, has a low practice rate because there are a lot of other things to get our attention and get the attention of young people. Uh, you look at different markets around the country, practice rates are higher in certain areas. Lincoln, Nebraska is a very high Catholic population. I think 70%. You go to other areas, more urban areas, maybe it's a little lower. So there is a geographic difference, but basically I just think that um, for the most part uh, there are a lot of things that are vying for our attention in the world, yeah. and we have to remind ourselves and others that, you know, God said put Him first and, right. and bring our neighbors into uh, that area of love, and when we do that, good things happen in the world. Well, that's what we want. When we come back, we want to hear what you do, how the commercials get out there, how they, how they work. We want to be part of the team that's winning, so stay with us. I was born and raised Catholic. Uh, my parents uh, divorced when I was a teenager, and I left the church immediately after. Um, I ended up getting my master's in international relations, moving to Washington, D.C., to do what I've always wanted to do in life. Um, and I worked there, and God started to work on me, work on me very heavily. Uh, and then uh, several things happened. One, my roommate um, was Catholic, and I, I ran into him praying the rosary. Um, he invited me to see Dr. Hahn speak, and that 
uh, was transformative. Uh, and then my brother came back to the faith, my younger brother. Um, and lastly, The Passion of the Christ came out by Mel Gibson, which surprised me. So all those things happened in the same time frame. And then I realized that God um, was asking me to abandon everything, even all my hopes and dreams that I have had my whole life. And so I did. And, and, um, and after that, he, he led me here to Franciscan University to, to study theology. This university is different because um, not only it's going to sound cliche, but that academically challenging, passionately Catholic, like it's not a lie. It's, it's an it's a academically prestigious school, but it has this Catholic environment that is unlike anything else I've ever seen or experienced firsthand. Priests are very available um, to hear confessions and just spiritual direction, you know, do the sacraments. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. Talking about when a family member leaves the church with special guest Tom Peterson. And we want to know, you've got commercials <laughs> that actually invite Catholics back to the church. Well, we usually don't think of commercials as the way that? to do it. <laughs> so tell us about it. Uh, my how back, do you do it? I, it? My background was in advertising, so when the good Lord uh, uh, became very real in my life and I had a reversion, it made sense that I would use the background and talents the Lord blessed me with to put out the good news. And amazingly, people spend a lot of time viewing media. Statistics show that the average American, now this is unbelievable, spends 14 years of our lives consuming media. Television's number one, internet's number two. About five to six hours a day. Young people even more. And so by, you know, by the time we reach age 75, we'll have spent four years of our lives watching television commercials. So How many? Four years. So it made sense to use this medium to put forth the good news because that's where people are. Just like Jesus went out of the temple, our way to go out of the temple with the good news is to put it on, on media because people are consuming it. So, so you've got two options. You can either spend four years watching commercials or <laughs> get a university education. <laughs> well, let's watch that first commercial. Our family is made up of every race. We are young and old, rich and poor, men and women, sinners and saints. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing relief and comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other scholarly or religious institution. We developed the scientific method and laws of evidence. We founded the college system. We defend the dignity of all human life and uphold marriage and family. Cities were named after our revered saints who navigated a sacred path before us. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have consistently guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, for centuries we have prayed for you and our world, every hour of every day, whenever we celebrate the Mass. Jesus himself laid the foundation for our faith when he said to Peter, the first pope, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. For over 2,000 years, we've had an unbroken line of shepherds guiding the Catholic Church with love and truth in a confused and hurting world. And in this world filled with chaos, hardship, and pain, 
It's comforting to know that some things remain consistent, true, and strong, our Catholic faith, and the eternal love that God has for all creation. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Ours is one family, united in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Wow, what a commercial. <laughs> Not like any I'm used to. So Tom, um, what was the thinking? Why did you stress the achievements of the Catholic Church like that? You know, amazingly, many of us don't really realize how beautiful our church is until we start leading a more sacramental life. And I think the world is that way. You look at American media, and uh, I often say if our Holy Father were to walk on water, they'd probably say it's because the Pope can't swim. You know, they, they, they would take a positive and turn it into a negative. So uh, it made sense to take this beautiful 2,000-year history of the church started by Jesus himself and let the world know the truth of the spirituality, the accomplishments, the beauty of our, our wonderful faith. And praise God, the Holy Spirit inspired us to have the right script and how the church built Western civilization, the nice things the church has done for the world, and it brought positives back. And people love the commercials. 78% of the folks we surveyed in focus groups and dial testing, some were fallen away Catholics, some with no faith. A lot of our Protestant wow. brothers said, I love it because it's authentic and you did a beautiful job. Yeah. Only 70, I mean, 78 is a great number, oh, no, but I'm surprised it's number. not 90. They, they, yeah. they, well, they loved it, and then the other percent liked it, but not as enthusiastically. Right. So, hey, we'll take it any and way then, we can get it. Sure. <laughs> the Eucharist, right? Yes, absolutely. And, I mean, that has to be the challenge to some of them who are yeah. we're no longer believing it's the real yeah. presence. It is, it is visually uh, very pleasing uh, and engaging and upbeat. And I like uh, the closing credit, welcome home. It, it, it's as if it's a fait accompli, you're coming uh, on the strength of what you've seen, the accomplishments, the beauty, the truth, the goodness. This conspires somehow to uh, uh, persuade you, entice you, to give us a second look, welcome home. Yeah. You know, the focus groups, when we asked them why you really like the ads, and we broke it down, yeah. the come home theme, the we're family, really gave yeah. them a warm feeling yeah. of camaraderie in this. Yeah. And a lot of folks don't understand the Eucharist, you know, but hey, we have to put Jesus as the source and summit of our faith, as the central theme of the right. commercials, yeah. because he is. He's truly present and central theme of our faith, and we as catechists need to share that good yeah. news with the world, and it gets people talking. It sets us apart. Um, so it's uh, it, it it's certainly as, as far from the fire and brimstone <laughs> theme that you could imagine. I mean, it's not your life is a mess, you're going to go to hell if you don't come back. It's well, also not a triumphalist pitch, like we're the right. biggest and the oldest around, you know. Uh, it struck me as having a, a sort of tone of humility. Um, a lot like our Lord, you know, majesty and humility, strength and weakness, saints and sinners, and just the fact that it's, it's third world as much as it's first world, yeah. and it's ancient as much as it's, it's contemporary. And it just reminds me of, of, of uh, St. Theodore once said about the iconoclasts who were going through the churches tearing down the icons. He said, what they really despise is the humility of God. You know, and, and when, you, when you recognize that God is not just domineering creatures, but fathering us, and no matter how broken we are, no matter how much we've strayed, it's like that's the chord that we need to strike, not just for an ad campaign, but to get at the heart of the truth of the Catholic gospel. Yeah. 
And all the more reason to have the Eucharist as a central exactly, focus, that the yeah, God of the universe humbles himself to become man to be and humbles himself to be yep. hidden in a, in a piece of bread that turns into Jesus and for so us. And this, if, if you're talking to inactive members of your family or so, is this kind of Eucharist uh, approach? The it is, it can be, but you know, first and foremost, uh, and I love this phrase, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. I think first and foremost, we yeah. need to show love and compassion to our brothers and sisters, either literally or figuratively, away from the faith, because that love is gonna win their hearts. And when they say, hey, you've been very kind to me, you've heard me out, you've heard my problems, yeah. you've helped me out, they're more likely to hear more about the facts and the truth. Yeah, my, my take on the commercial is that while the Eucharist is, is certainly evident, even prominent, it, it's not the centerpiece. For me, the, the real motif is family. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. The inclusivity. We all belong yes. uh, in this church because she is somehow inclusive of everyone, over a billion members. I mean, that, that sounds like an awful lot of people. Well, and and yes. not only saints uh, need apply, but we're particularly interested in <laughs> sinners. Yeah. In fact, the only place where real saints are is in the yes. church above. You know, yeah. Those Lord. statues. Thankfully, yeah. right. there's hope for all of us. This is a big hospital as well as a big home. Amen. You know? Amen. And, and, and what you said about the humility, it was very important to keep this humble theme. In fact, the, the behind the uh, uh, scenes story goes that we had a triumphant voice, kind of like our Charlton Heston saying, we are the Catholic Church. Right. And I have to be honest, my wife and, and daughter said, Dad, that sounds too grandiose. Yeah. So you know who we ended up using? Our videographer, Frank. Oh. He's, got a, he's a wonderful Catholic yeah. man in his early 30s, devout faith, and he said it with passion and with conviction because he meant it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the world has responded saying, I like that subtle uh, voice there that invites us without, without bragging. Now you, uh. you, you have this commercial, and when does it air? I mean, morning, noon, and night? secular TV shows, you know, does it, has it ever been on the Super Bowl or this sort of thing or what? Someday. We, we have this and 30 others. There's different themes. One of them is the theme about Jesus' divine mercy, how Jesus didn't come to uh, condemn the world, but he came to save it. So it's a movie uh, setting where you see the movie of your life. You mentioned that earlier about oh, yeah, it's not yeah. condemning in any way. We have testimonials of different people who drifted away either through college or for whatever reason that people can relate to. We have ads in different languages, Spanish, Polish, soon in Portuguese. Uh, and so we want something in there that will touch and invite people back to the family, saying, hey, this is a tough world. There's a way that we can all get through this together and not only get through it, but enjoy it and celebrate God as a family uh, and invite them back. So uh, that's, that's part of the motif. In terms of when they run, uh, currently we've been in 12 or 13 archdioceses and dioceses from Seattle to Chicago, from Providence to Phoenix, Little Corpus Christi, oh. and so far, 200,000 people have come back to the church. Wow. And they've done parish census work 200, to prove this. 200,000. <laughs> that in two years. That, that's almost as many as Scott Hong. Wow. <laughs> almost. Wow. He'll put out another book and it'll, right. it'll crush yeah. it. And, and about 10% increase in mass attendance. So now we've got 17 more dioceses and archdioceses, Boston, Atlanta, many others coming up. So yeah. it'll be 30, uh, 30 about 30 right now. It's effective. Now. It works. It works, yeah. praise God. Yeah. And you know, frequently we grow up and don't touch religion or politics, you know, among people because they're too controversial, it's, they break up relationships and things like that. How do you uh, 
approach that kind of wariness? I, I don't think that religion and politics statement came from one of our holy fathers or a no. good theologian uh, like, like you. I think it came from the secular world where they try to get us not to talk about important issues of the day. But I think when we speak about religion and politics with love, when, that ho when we pray for the Holy Spirit to open the door so that the person next to us on the plane asks us a question so we can tell them about our faith, or, or sets up an environment where somebody says, hey, how come you're happy? You say, hey, I'm happy because I'm a practicing yeah. Catholic and I love my faith. Uh, or, or we talk yes. about things that are political issues, about the sanctity of human life uh, that some people would view as political, but we know is core and central to our humanity and to our faith. When we do it with love, good things happen. Because they're not hearing that message from anyone else if we don't put it out there. You know, the subtext, I think, of that commercial, and I suspect the others too, is that, you know, everybody, even if they're not looking for God or religion, they're looking for truth, they're looking for goodness, they're looking for beauty, they're looking for love. That commercial is sort of like, well, whether you know it or not, you're looking for God who's a father, who has a family, and the Catholic Church is the embodiment of all of that, you know, Absolutely. the convergence of but it. The, what about the angry crowd? Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're the ones you deal with. They're angered something, and uh, they're not ready to hear, oh, everything's just great if you come back home. Sure. What do you, how do you approach the angry? Um, I know when we did the Catholics Come Home campaign the very first time back in 1997 in preparation for the Jubilee, I actually served on a local parish committee, and we were told, just listen hear people out. You know, people with wounds and hurt just want to be heard. A lot of times they want to get it off their chest. I, I had a phone call with uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs, who you know yeah, well, my spiritual sure. director the other day. Uh -huh. He was talking about a man in his diocese who was angry. And he went and sat down with him, and he literally listened to him for 10 minutes. And at the end, the bishop didn't say a thing. At the end, right. he said, the man said, okay, I'm happy with you now. I'm all better. <laughs> yeah, right. So a lot of times, Father, yes. I think people just want to get something <laughs> off their chest. There's a hurt. Sure. They want to vent Sure. They, want, they want to be respected. And when we show that love and respect, yeah. uh, without affirming some of the things that may not be correct, but when we show that love and respect, good things can so happen. So hear them out and even reflect back what you hear them saying until they feel understood and then that's you can a certain talk part. about the It goes back to that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you right. care. Uh, when we show them that love first, then we can start you discussing. Know, I, I, I must say that uh, while I was really impressed with, with the... Uh, the film that we saw. I was more deeply moved by that other uh, film that uh, shows the people coming into the warehouse yes. and sitting down and suddenly their life uh, parades before them and they review it uh, from, I, I guess, the perspective of eternity. Yes. Uh, that's, that's purgatory. It's a kind of refining fire. That, it seems to me, resonates uh, with the experience most people have. I've made a mess of my life. I've hurt other people. Is there a church of the second chance? Yes. And that's what you're presenting. There is the possibility of forgiveness. The well of regeneration is infinitely deep, and you can draw upon that reservoir of mercy. You're, you're talking about the movie ad where people yeah. are reflecting. It's on our CatholicsComeHome.org website since we're not showing it today. That was powerful, I thought. Well, it could have either failed big or it could have been very, very successful. And praise God, the Holy Spirit led us to talk about that divine mercy uh, as the hope. And, and the violins played during the sad parts and real trumpets played during the happy parts. But it left people.
people with hope. Because see, the bad guy is trying to convince us. If you've made mistakes, if you've sinned, if you've had a divorce, if you've had any issues in your life, God's not going to love you. The church isn't going to want you back. He's selling that heretical thought. Right, right. And, and when we tell people, yes, we as a Catholic family miss you. We want you back. The church loves you. God loves you. The main message we can promote to the world is that God loves you. Then yeah. people get excited that there's hope. You would have me back? And then we cry. We look back in our yes. own lives. Great. When we come back, we're going to watch another commercial that's promoting this kind of come on home. Stay with us. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages. Talking about when a family member leaves the church. We're here at Franciscan University with our regular panelists, Dr. Hahn, Dr. Regis Martin, and our special guest, Tom Peterson. And Tom, one of your commercials emphasizes the church as a safe place in an uncertain world. Why this message? Yeah, we live in times now where the economy is turbulent, people are very worried about things, there's threats of terrorism. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of challenges in the world, and people are often a little bit depressed, a little concerned, a little worried. They're worried about the future of their children. And we want to strength, uh, put out the message that God is their hope. Uh, the church is their home as a source for peace and uh, uh, as a bright future. So that's pretty much the, the simple message in a very tough time. Well, let's watch that commercial. There's a way of life where simplicity brings joy and humility leads to happiness. Where we learn that less is more, and in giving, we receive. It's our refuge from chaos, and light to guide us through darkness. It's a place where the broken receive healing, and repentant hearts find mercy. Here, our days are set free from anxiety and addictions, and our nights rest with more peace. So where is this hope, and who knows the way? Our hope rests in Jesus, and his church leads the way. If you're longing to fill an emptiness or seeking a way home, we invite you to experience the peace that only comes from God. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Well, sadness, problems, why does it often take a crisis uh, for someone to come back to the church? How is that such a motivation? You know, it seems like our human nature is that when things are going well, uh, like the, the 10 lepers where the one remembered to come back and thank Jesus, we too tend to forget to think about God or thank Jesus for our blessings. But when times are tough, when we're strapped financially or there's a sickness in the family, Boy, we sometimes will get down on our knees and often uh, remember God then. And I think the world is the same way, that uh, when things aren't yeah. going so well, it's a time where we can remind people how uh, Jesus is our hope and the church leads the way and it's a place for peace. 
That makes sense, and I think we've all dealt with crisis situations, things like that. What about the blasé mm. uh, person who's, oh, everything's okay, the same, the rest, you know? Mm. No crisis, no express need, yes. but yet at the same time, he's, he or she is engaged with us. You know, I think it goes back to Dr. Martin's comment about uh, the movie commercial. Uh, I think th at that point we need to walk with love, uh, but talk about the longer term perspective of eternity, how we will be accountable for the good and bad yeah. we do. And that we can't live in this lukewarm world that Jesus warned against. We have to choose sides, God or not God, right or wrong, uh, living a more passionate faith. Uh, when I had my reversion experience, the, the good Lord made it very clear to me. I was living in the gray area. I would go yeah. to Mass on Sunday but on Monday I do what I wanted and says so you can't have it that way and so uh, I think if we gently remind people through vehicles like these commercials through good catechesis uh, through our own personal examples in the world that there's a longer term picture to this where we're we're designed to serve God and serve others uh, increase humanity do do good things in the world um, oftentimes they see that that does benefit society. You know, the idea of crisis is rooted in the Greek word krisis, which is judgment, you know. And crisis reminds us not only of how impaired our judgment may be, but of how inevitable judgment is. You know, and I think it's also fitting that, you know, if you're not going to schedule a retreat once a year, you should recognize that the church schedules Lent once a year for good reason, you know, because a little bit of fasting can go a long way, you know, a little bit of self-denial, you know, suddenly we recognize just how weak we are and how hard it is to deny ourselves even a little bit of chocolate or dessert or, you know, soda pop or whatever. And, and I, I think that sort of thing reminds us also of why it is we're so susceptible to anxiety and addiction, right. as that commercial speaks, because then we're reminded, too, that when we evangelize, I remember writing this back in the early 70s, when I was newly converted and beginning to share that Scott Hahn telling someone else about Jesus is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread of life. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we remain subject to anxiety and addiction. We remain in crisis. We pass from one to the next. And I think it, it really serves to clarify you know, how we have to live our lives forming judgments from an eternal perspective That's right. and helping our, our fellow humans to do the same thing as well as receiving help from them. You know, uh, the only shortcoming uh, that, that it's been dogging me uh, while I've been watching these <laughs> is that there's no follow-up. I mean, it's packaged in a very pretty uh, uh, and uh, agreeable way. But for example, your own reversion, that was hardly precipitated by a commercial. Mm. I mean, there has to be an encounter, a human being. There has to be a follow-up. Uh, well, the good news is this is just the appetizer. It's a reminder yes. where they are to yeah. plant that seed. Yeah. Now, other things will water the seed and fertilize it. But amazingly, 200,000 people have come right. home by this initial where, where did they find the main course? Uh, they found oh. the main course. Uh, let me speak up here, <laughs> because you know the fact is the, the, the policy is to do this in dioceses yes. that don't just tolerate it but welcome it and prepare yeah. for it, okay. so that the people in a particular archdiocese or diocese that are seeing this on local television are going to say, "I want to come home," and the diocese has prepared the banquet, I see. and so parishes and you know this is why I you know I, I can't wait to see this thing go national for yes. the Super Bowl or whatever, yes. but you know I, I think we have to recognize that it's not just something that just falls out of the sky, right. out of the blue, right. and then, you know, kind of left to fend for yourself. Yeah, but, let, yeah. 
But I would think that most people watching it, if, if they're really drawn to come back to the church in some way, aren't going to call up the chancery. <laughs> so, uh, but the local but parishes are united to the chancery. Well, and that's I mean, the key. No, they're, uh -huh. they're going to speak to people. Right. In other words, it's not institutional. Right. Right. And the question okay. is, we as people, what do we do mm -hmm. when they say, you know, I saw this thing and mm -hmm. it uh, kind of stirred some memories in me and I've been thinking maybe I should do something. You're all making great points to put this puzzle together. The fact of the matter is that 25% of the people who see the commercials will venture to the website. Hey, I want to learn more. Where is my parish? What are the mass times? The vast majority show up to confession or to mass. They say, I knew where my parish was. I drove by it every day. I just haven't been to church in a while. And it reminds them. Uh, they say, I cried when I saw the commercials. I felt like God was personally calling me home. It touched my heart. But you're right. They don't call the diocese to make an appointment in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it starts with, with these ads airing in a local diocese heavily for six weeks during Advent or Lent. On all the channels, about 99% of that area sees the commercials 15 to 20 times per person. And wow. then the buzz starts where everyone starts talking about it really? at the grocery store, wow. at a hairdressing appointment or, or another environment. Hey, you're Catholic, aren't you? What about those commercials? Oh, it opens the dialogue. Yeah. But as Scott said so well, when a diocese partner with us and is prepared to answer those questions and the parishioners are equipped to say hey yes those are our commercials I'd like to invite you back to mass or the priest in his homily says hey if you haven't been here in a while we're glad you're back in our family yeah and if and if you're not sure when to sit stand and kneel don't worry we're all figuring it out together we're that's, family yeah, this is what I was trying to say that's fumbling at that yes. institutional sponsorship is not the no, main point that's not right. it but right. people be being prepared to say, hey, yeah, you saw that. Well, we have a program for yes. you, you know. But really I mean, the, the, the fear, the, the fear I have is that there might be a disconnect between the, this, this, this lovely, soothing, emulsifying package that moves and energizes and mobilizes people and real human beings yes. that they have to eventually confront, you know, like Father Fred or Sister <laughs> Sue. Are they going to be as welcoming, as, as non-judgmental, as this wonderful presentation proposes. Well, I will quote uh, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, on a famous line, do not fear. <laughs> uh, the good news brings people back. Um, sure, our receptionists, who are the first uh, ministers of first impression, as we call them, are on the front lines to take that call or greet people as they walk in before they get to Father Fred or yeah. sister. Yeah. Uh, they need to be welcoming and loving. But you know, in, in the scope of things, do we need to wait till the church is perfect? No, it right. never right. will be. We also don't want to dumb our commercials down to the dullness of the local, you know, minister who might be over worked or something like that either. You know, know, people often ask me, and it's folks on both ends of the spectrum, you know, what church are you bringing them home to? You know, there is no second best. We're bringing them home to the church started by Jesus himself, right. to the sacramental yeah. church where we get fed with the Eucharist. And during this Lenten season, the sacrament of reconciliation, where all of those burdens that we've been right, talking right. about can be lifted. We can enjoy that freedom of being uh, pure again and, and right with God in that relationship and, and go forward with Jesus in our lives and have that peace that allows us to sleep peacefully at night. Well, I think what really commends uh, this, this uh, advertising offensive is the fact that you're speaking to everybody. The common denominator is we're sinners who really do uh, deep down aspire to become saints. You know, villains and saints together, you find them at the heart of Christendom. We belong. 
in the same family. And that family theme, I think, is really friendly. And, you know, Robert Frost says a home is the place where when you get there, they have to let you in. (laughs) That's good. So what do people need to hear most, you know, from all the people are different and they drift for different reasons and stuff. But what should we be alert to that they most need to hear when they're making some contact to come back? I think we can all relate to uh, this. Number one, God loves us. People don't hear that enough. We don't hear that enough. And we need to put that forth, that God loves us. He's not a Jansenistic God who wants to check off that list of wrongs and damn everybody. He sent Jesus to save us. And we need to put that good news out there because the secular world isn't. Secondly, we serve a God of second, third, millionth do-overs and chances. During this Lenten season, the Uh, sacrament of reconciliation. That you know what? You mentioned sinners and saints. We may may be that sinner and saint in the same day. Maybe in the same hour where we let somebody in in traffic and then the next time we may curse the person who cuts us off. But that's the God we serve. He is a merciful Lord who (laughs) wants to forgive us. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to be a merciful church that, hey, none of us are are there yet. And we're all there working on this together, helping to love each other to have in his family. I'm, I'm struck by something the Bishop of Santiago said after they pulled out those minors. He said, every saint had a past and every sinner has a future. Uh, And we're all part of the same program. And Grace is orchestrating uh, this song and dance. What moves in me is new evangelization. This sounds like what John Paul II was so strong (laughs) on. He gets all excited about evangelizing those that have already (laughs) been around but but need to be brought back to the heart of things. You know, the word new is a very powerful world in the advertising world, and it, it stimulates a lot of fun and emotion and future. Pope Benedict has picked up on that, too, and has the new council we talked about. And what's new about this evangelization, that we're using yeah. tools of today, the tools that consumer society are, are driven to, Facebook, Twitter, the Internet, television, all these social media, modern media, to put forth that same good news that has been unwavering for 2,000 years through biblical salvation, history, but bring it to the world in a way in which they're consuming the information and be a voice, a voice of love and a voice of truth that they don't often hear in a secular world. Plus hope, right? Always. John Paul II was always (laughs) hopeful in the new evangelization. And what signs do you see going on that that segments and sparks? Beyond our wildest imagination, when we saw that 200,000 people so far have come back, when we see mass attendance rising as much as 18% in certain dioceses, where we see people uh, proud to be Catholic and engaged in Catholic identity, we see converts, we see atheists coming into the church. There's a young man named Adrian who wrote us from Denver and said, I've been away for years. I was an atheist, self-proclaimed in my whole family. They came into the Catholic Church last Easter, and now he's helping his brother to come back. The testimonies That's on the exciting. website are very inspiring, I must say, That's you know, exciting. to actually read not just three or four, but hundreds of hundreds. people who have testified to their own experience. I mean, it confirms this hunch that I have that, you know, if the problem has been in part that a lot of folks were sacramentalized very early on as infants or children, but not evangelized, yes. it's never too late to hear the, the good news, you it's know, and, and the new evangelization is, is making this come alive for so many people. That's exciting. And when we come back, we'll have some final comments, wrap up thoughts for you and how to be part of this new wave of new evangelization. Stay with us. 
was eight when my family decided to leave the Catholic Church. When I was 21, I decided to become a Protestant minister. I moved to the Soviet Union to smuggle over 100,000 Bibles and loved it. I remained overseas in Eastern Europe and the Middle East for 10 years. Until three years ago, a friend of mine bought me a book about the lives of seven saints. When I read it, I was provoked to jealousy. I wanted the fullness that those saints had, yet remain a Protestant. It wasn't until later in prayer the Lord told me that he was an ocean, and so far in my life I was only big toe deep. It was bittersweet, I wept, but if everything I experienced was only big toe deep, how would it be when I'm knee deep and waist deep? I knew I needed an infusion of grace to live more saintly, and I know it was found in the sacraments. So I returned back to the Catholic Church this last Easter, and it's been the most wonderful decision I've ever made. I know that what's being taught here is Catholic, and that is what I believe, and it's what the Church teaches. We're Christians, little Christ. We don't go around always talking about Jesus, but Jesus is always at the heart of every conversation because our relationship is built on Christ, the same way this school is built on Christ. After we've come here and gotten our formation and grown in our faith, we're called to go out and share the truth, Jesus Christ, with the rest of the world. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. talking about when a family member leaves the church and we're in our final segment here with Tom Peterson the founder of Catholics Come Home and this is a challenging subject and it has many dimensions and there's different ways of looking at what will most help most people or the particular person that you're dealing with so we'll start with Regis what's your final thought here Regis? <laughs> well I, I have to thank you uh, Tom for what you're doing uh, Father Mike mentioned uh, wave upon wave of, of conversions we're likely to see uh, as a result of, of this campaign and I think he may be right uh, and if that's so after the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. you are the chief catalyst I, I think in in promoting this triggering this, this avalanche of, uh, of lapsed Catholics returning uh, to their, their true home welcome home to the family of God it, it's so different uh, from uh, for example, the Donatist uh, uh, crisis that struck the church in the fifth century because that response was absolutely the wrong note to play and, and Augustine had to condemn it. He's, these were guys who said, look, you left the church, you abandoned Christ, you were treacherous, and so if you want to come back home, you've got to get rebaptized, oh making yeah. it as difficult as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the attitude now is, is somewhat more uh, benign, more welcoming. We all belong uh, to Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm struck by, by the fact that the first guy who got into the kingdom was a crook. Yes. You know, the, the good thief who on the cross turns to Jesus and, and asks him, will you please remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what does Jesus tell him? This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That guy was a sinner. And, and so he belongs to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is not interested in, in saints. He's interested in sinners who might become saints. I'm, I'm, I'm also reminded of, uh, of an exchange that Flannery O'Connor had with one of her correspondents who just became a Catholic. And O'Connor is, is delighted because she was instrumental in getting her to see the light. But after about two or three days, she lapses because in the meantime, she had met other Catholics and they so horrified her that she decided 
decided to renege on her faith. And O'Connor said, look, the only thing that is going to make this terrible world we are coming to endurable is the church. And the only thing that makes the church endurable is that she is the body of Christ. And on this body, we are fed. That, I think, should be the centerpiece of any campaign to try to awaken ex-Catholics to the treasures that are still available if they choose to return Jesus. That's where they belong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Regis, Scott, what do you got for the final? Well, I think this is perfect to strike the chord of conversion in the season of Lent. Yes. Uh, because conversion is what we all need. And these sorts of ads remind us not just of those who have left the church and how they need to come back, but of how we all need to come back and we need to do it continually. And I, I think that this is not only right, but necessary, especially because it, it administers the medicine of mercy, you know, and it reminds us that this is what we need more than anything else. And this is, you know, the other thought that's intruding, I just, I, I, I'm struck by what the Bishop of Santiago said, you know, that every saint has a past and every yes. sinner has yes. a future. And in the Lent, in, this, yes. in the Lenten season, we have to see ourselves as sinners, but called to this sort of glorious future through repentance and conversion. And the last thing I wanted to say is thank you. Uh, for CatholicsComeHome.org. Yes. Thank you for uh, uh, allowing the Lord to use you to kind of put together some 30 plus commercials. And I pray for you and I hope a lot of other people pray for you so that this will get on national television. This will get on the Super Bowl or whatever else our Lord wants, but thank you. Okay, well, this is great work. You can see we're excited about what you're doing. Catholics come home, yeah. What, is, what final thought do you have there? You know, our good Lord has given us the opportunity to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. And when we do, good things happen. Uh, you know, I'm the guy who gets the pat on the back, but really to, to all the glory goes God and the Holy Spirit for uh, changing my life on that retreat and inviting me with His mercy to do better things in my life. We've got a cast of thousands, people who pray for us daily, uh, people who donate to the cause. Uh, our, our team at the office, they've given up wonderful careers to do this. God bless them for doing it. And everyone out there has a role. Why? Because everyone has been called to share this message. We all have family members, friends, close relatives, neighbors who are away from the church. A hundred percent of us have them. And people say, well, what can I do? I'm not a theologian. I'm not trained in this. You know, I, I think the evil one wants to convince us that we don't have the tools to, right. to share the good news. When the fact of the matter is, we have, each of us has our own testimony and story about how God has changed our lives. I could be very intimidated among you. You're trained theologians, you're, you're, you're champions of the church, but then God reminds me that I have my own conversion story that I can share. I'm a different piece of that puzzle, as are all of the viewers out there. So people will say, what can I do? Well, there's a lot of things we can do. We have little evangelization cards, uh, Catholics come home, that people keep in their wallets or purse. And when somebody says, I used to be Catholic, they can pull that out and say, check out this website. Website. Yeah. No sales pitch, but a gentle reminder. Or a car magnet, catholicscomehome.org car magnet with the Eucharist. People have come up to others in parking lots and said, 
I used to be Catholic. They get into a conversation. That person gently says, would you like to come to Mass with me? And they have. So those are things that anybody can do. And then DVDs with the different uh, spots on them that we can share or the website Catholics Come Home where people can spread this virally, whether they're current Catholics and want to go deeper, former Catholics, or they want to spread it to their relatives and friends. So basically there's, there's good news and we need to share it with everybody uh, with love. Keep going. We're all with you. <laughs> and we have here a handout when a family member leaves the church, the top 10 reasons to come back. Just contact us and we'll, we will send you this and that'll give you some material to really move forward with. And I want to emphasize that God isn't absent, that God's grace is there that there are moments, there are times, there are special situations where his grace is there for you to make the right approach to people, to invite them. Do I have experience of that? Well, how about this? When I took my solemn vows, my mother came back to the church because she was so touched at the occasion. When I got ordained a priest, my father came back to the church because wow. he was moved. The graces were there and they were ready to make the sacrifices that looked so difficult before in order to return. Think about it. Think about special occasions, weddings, special anniversaries. Think about special celebrations just coming to Easter Mass who've come to Holy Saturday. Wow. All these kind of times can have the grace because God's ahead of you. God is offering. He is there providing special graces, special ways in which you can bring his sheep, his flock back to the church. You are not alone in this. You don't have to think up and become highly creative. You need to live in grace. You need to let the Lord work through you. You need the good news of the gospel to be personalized from you in caring and in love and listening. And if you do this, believe me, God will use you and you will touch many and you will be a strong factor in their coming back to the church. Well, till next time. May the Lord bless and keep you, show his face to you and have mercy on you, turn his countenance to you and give you his peace. May the Lord bless you, he who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive a free handout on today's topic or to purchase a video of this show, call 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740 740- 283-6357. Email your request to presents at franciscan.edu or write to Franciscan University Presents, Franciscan University of Steubenville, 1235 University Boulevard, Steubenville, Ohio, 43952.